Good morning. Great to see everyone today. Um, yeah, as Sam said, yeah, I, and obviously I'm up here. Um, I'm speaking today, which is a real, um, yeah, a real privilege. And um, yeah, just want to say like whatever's brought you to church today, whether it's, um, you know, that's just what you do or whether you're here to come and see or if, yeah, trying it out for the first time or you're here under some kind of obligation or the person next to you is really keen to be here and you're just here with them. Um, whatever it is that brought you here, um, it is great to see you. Uh, I just thought I'd start with praying and then we'll go from there. Uh, yeah, God, we, we just pray for this uh, time together that's unlike any other time in our week where we uh, hear from you together. And yeah, we pray that as we yeah, think about your life that we wouldn't um, yeah, be thinking about a set of ideals or um, like thoughts and ideas as much as we'd be thinking about a person and a character and uh, your personality. And so, yeah, Lord, we just pray that, um, yeah, the person of God would come alive to us today as we talk and listen. Uh, in your name, Jesus, amen. Cool. So we are in a series called Living on Purpose. Uh, I wasn't here last week, but you can listen to it online, which is what I did. Um, and last week, Sam gave us this sobering reminder that our days are numbered. That's the name of the message. Our days are numbered. And what's more, we don't know what the number is. We might be able to take a guess, like a good educated guess, but we can't account for the unexpected. We can't account for the possibility that our days could be cut short by an accident, an illness, or something else. And even if we were to get, or even if we have got, the typical 80 years, or if we get 10, 20, or if we exceed it by even more than that, I mean, I had a grandma who lived to 102. She was a step-grandmother, so, like, I don't carry any of those genes. <laughs> and to be honest, she was over it um, by, by that time. <laughs> she was... <laughs> Even if we live a long time, like, afterwards, um, on the other side, like, we'll consider that time, this time, like, so short in comparison to whatever we wake up to on the other side, for better or for worse. So the days are short. So are the times we spend, are the things we spend time on, are they worth doing? And other things we haven't been doing, are they worth missing out on? One of Sam's sayings, one that he hasn't actually said in a wee while, but we'll probably start using it now, is, is it worthy? Has anyone heard that? Is it worthy? Is it worthy? Anytime, yep. Anytime you kind of recount doing anything new, like you saw a movie or you read a book or you went to a, a new restaurant or got something different off the menu, so be like, is it worthy? <laughs> <laughs> is, it worth, is it worth doing? He wants to know, like, is it worth doing or is it, you know, worth steering clear of? No, that meal was way too spicy. <laughs> is it worthy? Is it worth the cost? Is it worth what it costs you to do? Is it worth whatever you spent on it? Is it worth the time that you spent on it? And maybe most importantly, is it worth what you weren't able to do? Because while you're doing this, something else was left undone. Everything else was left undone. Is it worthy? And the point isn't to sort of um, 
overthink everything or be too scared to do anything because you do just have to do the next thing. But it's more to reflect on the themes and the weekly practices of our lives and to ask the question, like, is it worthy? Like, would I do it again? Would I recommend this to someone else? Would I recommend this way of life to someone else? Would I be content if my kids or my siblings or someone younger than me saw me doing this and was like, yeah, I want to live my life like that. I want to go and do that kind of thing. Is it like a good example to follow? Sometimes we live in a way where we're like, people are like, oh, that's so cool. And you're like, well, I wouldn't recommend this. But when Jesus lived his life, he said, follow me. I recommend this. This is my stamp of approval. If you do this, you won't regret it. So is this a worthy way to live? So how should we live? Well, let's take a look at an example of that life that we're all following. This is from Mark 1, 32 to 39. A little bit of a story. It says, That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed, and the whole town gathered at the door. And Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. And then very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he went out of the house, and went off to a solitary place, a place on his own, where he prayed. And then Simon and his companions, they went to look for him, and when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else. Let's go to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I've come. And so he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. So this little story, it just describes only 12 hours of Jesus' life, an afternoon and a morning. But I think it shows some really important things about how the Spirit set Jesus' agenda and how the Spirit also organizes and directs our lives. And so there's two things I want to focus on in this little dusk-to-dawn experience. Number one, Jesus had a mission. That's not actually the first point. I'll tell you when we get there. That's part of it. That's part of it. You can write that down. If you've written that down, don't cross it out. Jesus had a mission. He said, this is why I've come, to preach the good news all over Galilee. Just like us, Jesus had a limited amount of time on earth and a limited amount of time in the day. And this story, it's right at the start of Jesus' ministry career. So he only went around preaching and teaching like this for two to three years. The whole Gospels are written just in that little block of time. So, like, for context, think, like, the amount of time since the 2020 lockdown until now, which is a wee while ago, but not that long ago to have four books written about you and everything you've done. That's the kind of time that Jesus had to to do all of that. And so because his days were so numbered, so limited, Jesus' mission was urgent. That's the first point. Urgent. Write that one down. He said, this is why I've come, to share the good news, to proclaim it all over the district. Unlike us, Jesus, he knew the number of his days. And so he knew that he needed to use them. He couldn't afford to get distracted by someone else's calling and not follow God's. And so when he says, when he's asked, everyone is looking for you, he's like, this is where I'm going. 
because I know this is something urgent I have to go and do. And at this point, like in the, with the story, it hasn't been that long since Jesus was actually tempted in the desert. And Satan told him, like, you can have this kingdom, and I'll give you this, and I'll give you all this money, and everyone will know your name. And, like, whatever you want. Jesus is like, no, I know my mission, and I know that it's urgent. This is why I've come to share the good news. Here's the thing. We have the same mission. And we have the same temptations. The same distractions. No, probably not around Galilee. Anyone got a trip planned to the Middle East? Probably not. But still, to go into the world and to share the good news, we have the same urgent calling to be God's witnesses by living our whole lives empowered by the Spirit and following his nudging and following his leading. And so we can't whittle away our lives for something else because there's just no time. So when we're reminded that our days are limited, it creates this real desire inside us to like live meaningly, meaningfully, to seize the day, to be stirred up. And that's exactly the right response. So it would be stirred up to open ourselves to God and what he wants to do in us and through us and to depend on him in a fresh way and to make use of our lives before they're over, to live on purpose. Urgent, urgent. We have an urgent mission. And it commands us today to be committed to it. So we need to be urgent, right? But we also need to be patient. Urgent and patient, they don't really seem to go together. Seem a little bit opposite. I think we've discovered a tension, which is really exciting. Let's read from our passage again. This time we're going to look at Luke. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people, shouting, You are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they found him... They tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So again, this is why I was sent. Jesus has this urgent mission. And some people would say he has too much to do. He has to go away, but then people also want him to stay where he is. But at the start of the day, Jesus is in no hurry. He... Heads out somewhere to a quiet spot and spends time with his dad. People are looking for him all over, but Jesus isn't in a rush. It's like, come on, you only have three years to save the world. You know, we don't have time for a morning retreat. Get out there. I mean, sleep the night. I, th- I think you've had your rest. Like, get on the road. Get to the next place. We need to maximize productivity. Jesus is like, yeah. No, I've got time for this. Because being patient, it's part of my urgent mission. Jesus was not in a rush. Jesus didn't jog on water. (laughs) He didn't run between the villages. He walked. Nothing wrong with running. Obviously, there's a time for speed. 
But the amazing encounters that we read about Jesus, the ones that really touch us when like, we see ourselves in a person that Jesus stopped to talk to or to heal or to just question, those happen because he was prepared to slow down and prepared to stop. And they often happened on the way to do something else. Something quite urgent. But yet there was a patience about Jesus that he could slow down on the way. Before his death, Jesus didn't burn out for God in a flurry of activity. He lived for the mission. He shared the gospel through the loud, the teaching, the preaching, the flipping tables. And he also shared the good news through the quiet, through the times he spent replenishing, sleeping, being on his own, and through the slow pace of his life, the interruptibility Through his work and through his rest, he taught us and he teaches us the good news. For many of us, the main way, maybe for all of us, the main way we'll share the good news will be how we are with our family and what we like to be around at work or at school. As we carry out this urgent mission, do we do it peacefully and restfully? Or are we always darting around, just fitting everything in? Because if so, we'll fit right in with the world around us, always in such a hurry to get nothing done. And we'll have nothing left to offer the world around us. Are we always just hustling to get to the next thing and the present is just an ongoing inconvenience? Are we confident that God is working in our present moment no matter how ordinary it seems? Or is the present moment a crack between what we did and what we need to get done. The present moment is the only moment we have. It's here and it's not going to come again. And the driving to get from like one appointment to the next or from one class to another and the waiting for an answer or something to happen so you can make the next life decision, God is at work. There are no moments of limbo between the moments of life, there's just life, and it includes all of that. And so it's urgent that we are patient. God is doing something in this very moment. And it's urgent that we slow down to spend the time well. You might say, well, I don't have time to do everything and do it slowly. And you're, you're probably right. <laughs> that was like exactly my reaction when I heard about the slowness revolution. And four years later, I haven't made a whole lot of progress at all. But the thing about slowing down is it's slow to do. Jesus, he, I don't think he, he also didn't have time to spend time with those people to go to the next town and to do it slowly. And so he, he chose between them. He said no here and said yes to something else. Now, everything about us is limited. We have a limited number of days, a limited number of hours in that day, limited space in our homes, in our fridges, in our stomachs, limited money in our bank account, limited headspace. So what should we spend it on? What should we fill it up with? 
And how can we respect our God-given limits while following Jesus' example of living out our urgent mission with a patient slowness? Here's a couple of thoughts. I mean, first of all, I just recommend you go back and check out Sam's message from last week, Um, even if you've seen it. It's a, a good reminder because, yeah, he'll remind you to slow down and to spend time on people, uh, starting with your family, the people you see every day, and and starting with like being able to slow down and notice people that you just might just see once and never again, or but seeing people. Here's an example, a practical one, of something we can do is to get some sleep. Yeah, there are times in the Bible where people had to get up and pray or even to, like, fight a battle. One time God woke someone up just to wrestle with them. (laughs) But, like, the majority of the time, we just need to get some sleep. Sleep is a rebellion. It's a rebellion against the desire to keep going, to to keep on pretending that we don't have any limits. Sleeping is fighting the urge to try and fit two or three lives into the one life that God has actually given you. And as you sleep, as you lie there vulnerable and achieving absolutely nothing, God is at work in you. And you are like acting out your reliance on him. Here's another one. Create some margin in your life. Have some breathing space between now and the next thing. And I think that starts with noticing the moment between this and the thing to come. Whether it's in the car or walking or just as you move from one thing to another, that's a moment in there. Nothing much might happen, but it's it's there. You might have noticed that we just started doing that here um, over the last two weeks. We stopped our coffee 10 minutes before we worship just to create a little bit of space to finish something and to get ready to start something else. And lastly, it's, it's taking the focus off what we do and realizing what God has done for us. It's slowing down is realizing that anything of value that you'll ever create in your life, it comes from this place of abiding with Jesus, of being with him. Not through working for him, but through knowing him. And that comes from spending time with God on your own and with other people. Congratulations.